0: blog talk radio good evening everybody and welcome to Talking Circles I am Clayton Caldwell to Philip Matthew and Spencer Cowan here tonight we're previewing this weekend's events from the New Hampshire Motor Speedway discussing the news and notes of the week also we'll give our predictions on who will win the races and also we'll discuss about adding a manufacturer what would that do to the sport who could potentially move let's say if Nissan came in. There's been a lot of talk about a manufacturer possibly coming in for 2020. That's sort of the reason why the engine is the way it is now is because they know with the smaller horsepower, they're more likely to get a manufacturer in the sport. We'll discuss that. And the next first-time winner in Cup, who will it be? Alex Bowen won a few weeks ago at Chicagoland. There's still a few drivers out there who are winless. Who will the next first-time winner in Cup, who will it be? We'll discuss that and take your phone calls at 917-889-8280 We're here tonight on Talking in Circles. First, let's talk about New Hampshire Motor Speedway. Uh, it's a doubleheader it weekend this weekend between the Monster Energy NASCAR Cup Series and, of course, the NASCAR Xfinity Series, Fox, Foxwood Resorts Casino 301 for, NASCAR, for the Monster Energy NASCAR Cup Series. For the Xfinity Series, it's Aurora Rocks. 200 NASCAR Xfinity Series race from the New Hampshire Motor Speedway. 41 drivers are en- entered for this race for 38 spots. A couple of surprise, not surprises, but a couple of drivers who are down who aren't normally down. You have um, uh, the 12 car from Penske this weekend. Matt Sroderski is a crew chief there with Paul Menard driving the 12 car this weekend. Um, you have also Kaz-, Kaz Grala down this weekend and the hot steam Chevrolet for Richard Childress Racing um justin alexander's the man turning the wrenches there um a few other teams you also have a, a 68 car this weekend on the entry list for brandon Bilt motorsports uh that's a sister car to their 86 team with brandon brown um and so some interesting stuff CT mclaughlin also in the race this weekend he's driving a 93 car for rss racing uh as well with josh balicki and of course ryan sieg in the 38 and 39 for rss racing so You know, everything else really hasn't changed all that much. Harrison Burton's in the 18, if you care. Um, A few other drivers here. Uh, I know um, Ryan Vargas is making his Xfinity Series debut. So it's going to be interesting to see how all that plays out here in the Xfinity Series. Um, Spencer, I'll start with you. Where do you expect this Xfinity Series race to go here? Um, There's, you know, we've talked about the big three this year. At nauseam in the Xfinity Series between um, Cole Custer and Chris Bell, and, of course, uh, Tyler Reddick, the defending series champion in this sport, in this series, I should say. Uh, is there anybody out there this weekend? This track's been pretty good to all Guy in the past, but is there anybody out there this weekend that you expect to, to sort of give a, a run for the money for the big three? Somebody I might be leaving out. What are your thoughts? Oh,
1: I don't know. It's, it's kind of hard to, for me to even pick a guy other than the big three. I mean, they're so – they've just been so dominant this year, and it's so hard to even put anybody in the same category as them this year and, you know, kind of like what we had in the Cup series last year. Um, you know, Custer – I mean, uh, Custer's been running well. Bell is like a Kyle Bush of the, of the Xfinity series. Um, so, I don't know. It's – that's a hard one, honestly. For me, I really can't pick anybody besides him three. You know – like I said, there's only really a handful of guys that could win. I would I would say Chase Briscoe. I mean, an all guyer, but you already mentioned him. Um, other than that, I really don't see anybody really competing with him. And it's sad to say, but they're just so, that dominant this year. And um, Chase Briscoe is a good driver. I know Philip talks pretty high about him on the show, and you know he's got talent. So I mean, in the equipment he's in, I mean Custer's in the same equipment. Look at the season he's having. So um, if anybody was to even Compete with them guys. It would have to be uh, Chase Briscoe.
0: Yeah, I would agree with that. I think um, Chase Briscoe. When you look at it, an interesting little, um, you know, interesting little car, an interesting little race team. And funny, it's because when you look at the average finish of this race over the last six races here in the Xfinity Series, Christopher Bell, obviously has the best one because well he's one for one and wins. Uh Baka Bush, he hasn't you know he's he's up there in second. Brad Kazowski's third. They're not down this weekend. Jonathan Dimitchek, he's run four he's fourth. He's only run one race there and had a fourth place finish. So he's up there. But as drivers who have, have had multiple starts in the Xfinity series who are on the entry list this weekend. It's it's really crazy to look at. Cole Custer is ninth. And then you have Michael Annette 10th uh, in the uh, uh, Cole Coaster has an average finish at 9th and Michael Onnette has an average finish of 12.3 um, you know so Ryan Tricks is down this weekend as well in the last 6 starts he finished 13th in 1 start but again you know Allgaier hasn't run that great here he's got 2 top 10 finishes in the last 6 races and his career has been okay I remember vividly him running the cup races doing pretty well here uh, not too long ago when he was in the cup series but still you know, it's still uh, uh, the drop for the drivers who've had multiple starts here in this Xfinity Series um, in at New Hampshire Motor Speedway. It's, it's really up in the air as far as who's going to run good, Philip. Um, other than the big three, and I think that's the big the big problem right now with the Xfinity Series. And we've talked about this at length here on this show, where this Xfinity Series has really um, turned into a three-man race. But you know. I'll ask you the same, Spencer, the same question I asked, I asked Spencer. Is there anybody out there right now that you think can sort of go out there and um, do what, what needs to be done to sort of chase down the big three in this series? What are your thoughts?
2: Yeah, I heard the pretty much most of what uh, Spencer got there. And in terms of who can – You know, make I I would I I look at New Hampshire this way minus the fact we have the crappy stages the there's a little bit of strategy in a 200 mile race at New Hampshire there's like one you really need maybe one pit stop and like a splash of fuel but because of the you know the the stages they'll pit they'll pit and then it'll be all right I would say that. Some of the teams that are good on short tracks, that have shown uh, that have shown well, rel- relative to the cookie cutters, might be able to do a little something here on Saturday afternoon compared to what I. I and that's one thing that makes these next few weeks of the Xfinity season a little more interesting, in that. You know, the big three is a little bit more likely to have uh, their somebody other than themselves win. I do. At the end of the day, do I think that one of the big three is going to win? Yeah. Uh, if we're going to go and just keep it short, and we're not going to discuss further, then because what is what what would tell you who's out there that's really going to stand out? The guy who drives a twenty two car is there because his dad runs Penske Racing. If there was anybody that had half the level of talent driving the 22 car, they'd probably be the favorite on on Saturday. Harrison Burton has had a solid yet unspectacular year in trucks. Frankly, I would say that the way he's done in an Xfinity car, he's been a little better than what he's done in a truck. So, maybe, you know, we go and steal another win with the 18 car Harrison Burton goes out there and wins his first race. It might be one of his dad's best tracks, too. At the end of the day, his dad legendarily led every lap of a race there in the year 2000. So, it wouldn't be out of the realm that both his dad and his uncle were good at New Hampshire. So, the fact that Harrison Burton, if you were to go out there in the 18 car and do something, it wouldn't be out of the realm of possibility. I do believe that Junior Motorsports needs to get a win, and I would think that it's an opportunity race for their whole entire organization. Uh, Michael Annette, whatever, you know, he doesn't really have to perform, per se. He's been doing better. He's been doing around what he was doing in 2012. Which is the last time he was really relevant. The Jeff Smolgars had a rough year. Ryan Truex, running his dad, you know, running the family, you know, sponsorship and all that. I think Ryan Truex is an up is an upset pick. I don't know what the odds are. I can I don't have the money to bet on it. But if the odds were good, I would look at Ryan Truex in that eight car because he isn't driving driving the Florida Georgia line car, so that already is an improvement. And then. Noah Gregson nine team, Dave Ellins he has experience in the Cup side. They have some good opportunities there. Um, I mean the reality is the big three until further notice is who's to, who to beat. But there are drivers there. Even Paul Menard is his for as generally mediocre as he may be, he's he's been relatively good at flat racetrack. That's where he he kinda makes his hay. He goes and does well at the flat the flatter racetracks, which is New Hampshire, which is Road Courses, Indianapolis, Michigan, California. So I mean he's in a Penske car. I would venture to say that they're gonna have a pretty good piece on Saturday. So while would be? It's pretty easy to pick the big three, and I would say the big three is the best idea. Um, you know, there's, you could, there are a few people that could actually make it somewhat interesting on Saturday afternoon.
0: Yeah, I'm kind of curious on on how John Harndenimichek is going to run this weekend in the Xfinity Series because you know I've talked to some people. And John Hunter, listen, I remember talking to people, and there was people last year and the years before who thought John Hunter, after his performance in the Truck Series with his father's team, um, could go out to the Cup Series and compete and win races. And I was like, whoa, whoa, whoa. You know, he's done a really, really good job in the Truck Series. There's no doubt about that. But that's a big, big step up for John Hunter Nemechek you know, that's a huge step up for that race team, for him to go to the Cup Series. So, kind of, you know, roll it back a little bit. Um, and last year had an okay year in the 42 car, running part-time there um, for Ganassi. He won a race, you know, um, at Kansas in late in the year. And it was announced around uh, November, October, November, that John Hunter would go to GMS Racing. For uh, the 2019 season, and um, you know he's kind of a guy I just want to kind of focus on. He's done a decent job this year. There's no doubt about that. But when you talk, when you talk to listen to people talk about John Hunt about you know drivers who are going to be in the Cup Series in five years. Two years ago, John Hunter Nemechek's name was thrown into that. Now it's kind of like, well, you know, we're going to wait and see what we get from John Hunter Nemechek. I don't think he's forgotten how to drive a car. I don't think he's taking a step back, but I think it's more of a fact that maybe GMS racing isn't as strong this year as they were last year or two years ago. Um, You know, and, and as good as the year he's had, he's only got two top five finishes, his second place finish at Las Vegas and a fifth place run at Bristol. You know, so it's been a good year for him. I think this season will even help him even more than everybody thinks it will because he gets seat time he hasn't really had a full-time long-term 30 race schedule um and and seat time running these racetracks on a weekly basis getting into the flow of running these racetracks a lot uh i think it can only help you and if you're not with a car that um is capable at least right now of running for the championship you can learn how to drive learn how to drive different race drivers and different parts of the track now um, he's nineteen in points. He's going to make the playoffs, no doubt about it. But these next few races, I kind of want to see what John Hononimichek can do in that car and just show me whether or not he can contend for a championship because he's one of those guys like Justin Allgaier who I feel like if they hit the switch just, on, just right or, or all of a sudden GMS Racing says we're going to build brand new race cars and those race cars just have even a little bit more in them. Um, John Hunter-Dimichek could be a guy competing for top fives on a a regular basis. So uh, that's a driver I'm very curious to see what goes on with him uh, here in this Xfinity series as the season goes on. Because he's he's an interesting driver because, like I said, I think um, when we sat down to start this year, and we we took a couple of of people and said, who's going to make the Final Four? I bet you a few people... A few people said, well, I can see John Nimichek getting in there. He's a good little race car driver. He's done very well in trucks. He's done okay in the Xfinity Series. Uh, I think he can do it. And, you know, GMS is a very interesting team because they're not a cup team, but they're a very good Xfinity Series team. Uh, I'm just curious, Spencer, on what you think about John Niemicek and whether or not he can go out there and compete for a championship uh, for the rest of the season. What are your thoughts?
1: I think he's a very talented race car driver. I mean, you mentioned what he was able to do in his father's truck and his team, and that was an underfunded team. You know, that was a small team. And they were able to um, go out there and get some wins and really compete and had a shot for the championship. But I think his mishap happened after Talladega or something. I don't remember, but he was in contention. And, um, honestly, I think now it's a little too late for him to – I mean, if he was to win a race, maybe. But you can't just – It takes time to get, you know, rolling and really start knocking off good finishes each every week. You can't just come in one week and just win a race. And then after that race that you win, just start beating the doors off people and just running through the field and winning races. To me, I don't think it works like that. I think you just have to slowly get your team to where it needs to be. I mean, look at Hendrick. They're still not where they need to be. And look what they were able to do three, four years ago. In the past years, they've just struggled and made small steps. And they're with a good team. Um, You know, they got the right guy behind the wheel. But just because he gets a win, I think his uh, championship hopes are over, honestly. Um, I think he would have to wait till next year. Like you mentioned, he has good seat time. Um, He's in the car every week. He's learning these tracks. And then when he comes back next year, and if he has the same crew chief, well, they have a book to go off of, and they'll be able to see where to improve and uh, what they can do better, the changes they can make, and be solid. I um, mean, look at Cole Custer last year. He had one win, and now he's five, and we're not even in the playoffs yet. So he had to, because he had speed sure. time, and speed time's key. So um, I'm not taking anything away from him. I just think if he gets a win, congrats, you're in the playoffs. But I think their performance throughout the year isn't just going to ramp up because they're in the playoffs. I
0: oh, think it's fair. It's absolutely fair. So. Uh, he's one of those guys that, again, I can totally see it just because I, I don't think we've seen his him his the, him reach his potential yet. Um, and GMS, I think, is a team that has some potential to really put on uh, a decent show uh, and, and put on put out some decent speed. As we move to the Cup Series, uh, it's the Foxwoods Resorts Casino Four 4- three oh one hundred one this weekend at New Hampshire Motor Speedway. I remember, they added the extra lap. Lennox did that a, a few week a few years ago uh linux tools Linux 301, and uh it's been it's stuck ever since I guess so uh three hundred one laps at New Hampshire Motor Speedway mile racetrack a little flat racetrack a lot like Darlington or oh, geez a lot like martinsville excuse me um but really you know with with long straightaways and tight corners um v h p this weekend Philip. it's gonna be interesting to see how these teams maneuver that uh you know I know last year I believe they had it. Here last year as well, but um, what kind of racing do you think we're going to see? Something interesting to keep in mind in New Hampshire. This race used to be this used to be the first race of the year uh, around this time in in July, um, and teams would really I think put a lot of emphasis on this race because it was in the playoffs. But now we only come here once a year, uh, and I think it's not. I would never call a race a quote unquote throwaway race. But I don't think teams are focusing that much on this racetrack as they used to because it's no longer in the playoffs. Um, so, with with the VRP, the VHTP, excuse me, the uh, sticky stuff, whatever, there's a million names for it. Um, yeah. bite. what do you think we're going to see with the racing at New Hampshire Motor Speedway this weekend? Yeah, I mean, they had in the
2: first and third grooves basically right on the yellow line and then the outside groove. They are showing a replay on it on Race Hub uh, earlier this evening. I think they're going to have it across the board. I think they're going to have, which will mean that, I mean, they're going to run the 750 package this week uh, with with the same kind of spoiler and whatever nonsense they have going on. And they're going to run 750 this week, which is less than what they had last year with more downforce. So I don't know in terms of – I think they're going to be able to carry more speed into the corner. But, of course, you have to in, – in its own right, you have to go and be able to back the corner up so you're able to get through the center. That's what's going to end up being the case no matter what on a flat racetrack. You're going to have to figure out a way to get through the center of the corner. And when it comes to the cup race, there's a little more strategy involved even with the stages. Uh, fuel generally until the stages was always a thing at, at New Hampshire fuel mileage, uh, you know, tires, tires, because they're so hard and they're garbage, they don't really wear out per se, but pit stops do matter. Cause you're really, it's one of the shortest races of the year, outside of the road courses, outside of a couple other races, it's one of the shortest races of the year. So, they will probably have no more than three pit stops on Sunday. So pit stops are going to be a key strategy uh, is going to be a little more of a key compared to other weeks. Uh, You know, track position always is a key because of, you know, the arrow. Um, I do believe that some of the smaller efforts, some of the teams that aren't, that are on that, Borderline, I'm looking specifically at Roush and Ryan Newman because Ryan Newman has made a career out of winning at these flatter, you know, smaller racetracks. His first career win was at New Hampshire. Uh, He won there in 05 as well when Tony got wrecked when he had the best car. Um, he's, He's won at flat racetracks. He's won at Martinsville, Indy. It would be a place where if you're going to take a shot, if you're going to go for a Hail Mary, you know, it wouldn't be out of the realm. I mean, in the case of Ryan Newman, he's right there on the cost, right on that bubble, where if he goes and wins this race, it isn't out of the realm because the fact is he's good there. Uh, Some of these bubble, I think for the bubble teams, it's a little more stressful. I think this is an opportunity where things can kind of flip on its lid. When it comes to the status quo teams, they're all going to be there. Kevin Harvick won this race last year. Kevin Harvick's really good at these flat racetracks. Stuart Haas in general is very good at New Hampshire, just based on their owner's history there. It might finally be the week that Stuart Haas gets off the the no wins for 2019, Uh, but you know, there's a lot of there's a lot of people that are on this the that are there that can win this race on Sunday, but I would personally focus on that back end, uh, the 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 chase cutoff, because this is a chance where if you get crazy, you do two tires versus the four, and you can hold track position, you lock yourself into the playoffs, and you flip flip it on its lid. You're going to Pocono the following week you know, it'll get really crazy.
0: Oh, absolutely. And and I think you get the nail on the head as far as, um, you know, when you look at this race and, and Roush Fenway and Ryan Newman, Newman's done very well here, but Roush Fenway as a whole has not done very well here. I mean, aside from when Jeff Burton won here and led every single lap, um, I really can't think of a time, you know, really since the mid-2000s that Roush uh, was good here at New Hampshire. I remember... Um, you know, I think obviously Kent and, and Biffle might've been pretty good here. And Carl right and here Biffle at times, did well right there, yeah. yes. but you know, as far as a whole organization, um, I just, you know, where, where they kind of grasp, New Hampshire doesn't really stand out to me. Like you said, last week, they were sort of a cookie cutter type race team where, um, you know, when they were on their game and everything was going good, uh, they were the best on their cookie-cutter racetrack. So it's interesting to see what's going to happen here this weekend at New Hampshire with, with Rash Fenway. Um, also, you talked about Clint Porter. He won a race, his first race year two back in 2007, I believe it was. Um, did a great job, you know, uh, helped off a couple of guys at the end to, to win that thing. Um, so he's a, he's a driver who's gotten around this place pretty well in the past. Um, so when you look at it from that standpoint, uh if he's got a good enough race car, he can do it. You know, there's no doubt about that. So um I think it's gonna be interesting to keep an eye on. You know, you talk about Harvick, Harvick's been very, very good here. Uh Kyle Bush has been pretty good here recently, especially recently, where early in his career I feel like he wasn't very good on these flatter racetracks. For whatever reason, yeah. they seem to give him a little bit of trouble. Um and he's figured it out, you know, the Poconos, the Phoenixes, the New Hampshire's of the world. Now, Um, also, uh, Kyle Larson, this is one of his better, I guess you can call it, short tracks, which I don't consider New Hampshire a short track, but it races sort of like a short track, Um, and he's awful at Martinsville. We documented that uh, earlier in the year. He's not very good at Martinsville, so this is a a type of racetrack now. It's not nearly as tight, the corners, um, but you're also going a little bit faster with with straightaway speed. Um, So it is going to be interesting to see how Larson gets around this place. How about you, Spencer, Uh, real quick, and then we'll go to Philip for his picks. But what do you think about the racing? And then who do you have to win this Cup Series race this weekend at um, New Hampshire Motor Speedway?
1: Well, I'm not – I'm going to be a little biased, I guess. But um, I'm going to have to – I'll take two picks real quick. I'll pick the 42 just because, you know, that two years ago when he had that real fast car and had to start from the back and he just drove through the field. Um, and, you know, like you said, this is kind of one of his better tracks. Um, I feel like he does good at it and I'm going to have to go with Harvick and he, you know, he only led 12 laps of this race last year, but you know, he's, he's due. I mean, that whole organization needs a win and you guys mentioned that he's good. Um, so at that place and recently, and you know, all the short house cars ran pretty well here last year and led laps. So, um, Those are my two picks, I think, are going to be contenders. And, you know, you can't get rid of Kyle Busch and all them. But uh, I'd like to see the 42 win or the
2: 4.
0: How about you, Philip? I mean, you gave us a lot of good information here. Before we move on to the next topic, which is going to be an interesting topic that I kind of want to give you guys opinions on, which is the manufacturer, adding a manufacturer to the sport and what that could do. Um, Who do you think is going to win this weekend at uh, New Hampshire Motor Speedway? You know, especially mentioning mentioned Kyle Larson, he finished second here both times in 2017. So he's a guy to keep an eye on. He's got to get his first win of the season and really shake up the playoffs a little bit. Um, What are your thoughts on uh, on who's going to win this weekend at New Hampshire? I'm going to stick
2: in the Chevy camp, and I'm going to stick with another very popular Chevy driver. Uh, In fact, the most popular driver in uh, NASCAR. I'm going to pick Chase Elliott. He won a stage here in last year's race. Uh, He's done pretty He's He's learned his way around. He knows how to get around these flatter racetracks. Um, Unlike his father, who wasn't as good at the road racing and smaller tracks and whatever, I think Chase is a little better at that uh, than his uh, legendary father, your favorite driver, Clayton. Uh, But I'll go and say Chase Elliott. We'll go four, and I'm no Chevy guy, but four races in a row, if that was the case, to for uh, Chevrolet. Uh, in terms of outside of that, I, I think Stuart Haas at a 750 track, I think, would be a little bit more of an opportunity. And I think they're going to start, I think, targeting the 750 tracks to at least give themselves uh, a chance, you know, to go and get themselves all solidly in the playoffs. Outside of Kevin, I mean, and I guess to a point, uh, Eric Almorola, The other two guys are in, have have issues with with Boyer and with Suarez. So I wouldn't be shocked if one of those two guys, you know, whether Suarez gets his first career win or or Clint Boyer. Goes out there and gets a win in what I would consider a wild card race here, uh, leading up to uh, the playoffs.
0: Yeah, it is. It's it's a race again. Um, I think these teams that are in the back, not toward, uh, towards the cut line, like you've mentioned, Philip, they can have a chance to uh, to I guess sort of steal one um, and 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 run pretty well here and, and get to that point where they need to get to, which is in the playoffs. 917 uh, 889 top, An interesting topic I wanted to discuss, just because there's been some recent, like, recent talk about um, the 2021 car. I guess that car is now going to be considered the quote-unquote Gen 7 car uh, since this is the Gen 6 car. The last car was Gen 5 and the COT. Um, but Gen 7 car, there's been some talk about that. They're not really – it sounds like they're going to stick with the engine package that they have right now. Um, you know, There's not really any idea to change that. Also, there's talking about maybe go, expanding the, the width of the tire from 15 inches to 18 inches. What that will do, I'm not 100% sure, and i got to get a little bit more well-versed on that. But I want to get to something that was interesting too, that I think NASCAR has an idea and a plan down the road of adding more manufacturers to this sport. Now um, – This sport has always been had a lot of manufacturers. Whether it was even back in the 90s, the early to late 80s, early 90s, um, you know they had Buick, Pontiac, Oldsmobile, Chevrolet, Ford um, in in that. Now you know, then they went to to Pontiac and they had Dodge and they had Ford and Chevy. They always kind of had four, three manufacturers. I mean, I remember when I was a kid growing up, it was Ford, Chevy, and Pontiac. Um, and before Dodge really came in and after Oldsmobile and uh, Buick sort of got phased out a little bit. But when Dodge came in, it sort of brought a, a new um, energy, a, a bunch of new teams to the sport. They, they paid a lot of money to bring in Everham Motorsports, if you remember correctly, and Everham started the two-car operation. So that was good. Toyota came in in t- 2007, um, created another couple of new race teams. Michael Walter Racing was, was created through that team. Red Bull Racing was also created through Toyota, um, you know, and, and a lot of people sort of look at Toyota and say, well, that was the beginning of the end because they just had so much money and they've been overspending. And I do agree to a to an extent that they have uh, really jacked up the prices of everything here, just not just by trying to be competitive. It's almost like the New York Yankees coming in and, and you know raising the per the um, you know the average spend of of each team that the players go, well, I can get that from the Yankees. So uh, I don't think it was intentional or anything bad about it, but I think inadvertently it has done that. But um, I don't want to get too far off my point here. So really what I'm trying to make a point is is when you brought in a new manufacturer and you've seen a new manufacturer come into the sport, it's sort of created new race teams. Now we have 36 charters, um, and, and these charters are, are getting uh, – You know, I think right now uh, with the way well, things are looking, done. I'm hoping that we're going to have 30, 30 good race teams next year. I'm hoping that's the case. Um, but if if we do bring a new manufacturer into the sport, I think it could be a very good thing. Um, now, there's a lot of old-school fans. I'm an old-school fan, and I'll, I'll admit that, uh, who might look at a, um, a company like Nissan and say, oh, we don't want them in the sport. You know, they're a foreign automaker. Toyota is as well, obviously. Um, and really, there's no other avenues to go anymore. I mean, Dodge is... Technically, now a foreign automaker because they're owned by Fiat, which is a foreign automaker. Um, So there's really no other avenue to go. So I think, unfortunately, if if you're not a fan of of foreign automaker and bringing the foreign flavor into NASCAR, well, I, I really don't think there's any other option for them to do. So there's a lot to take with this. You know, they have to create their own engine package, which is why I think they're going to stick with the engine model they have right now in the Cup Series. Maybe they look at it and say, "Well, it'll be a little bit less." You know, uh, the cost of, of building your own engine department might be a little bit less, which I totally disagree with. But whatever. Um, I guess what I'm getting at, it, Spencer, is if a, a, a company like Nissan, came into this sport and said, "You know what? Um, we're 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 announcing in 2021, 2022, we're coming into NASCAR. The timing's right." Perfect. We want to sell more Nissans here in America. We think that the NASCAR fans, are this group of people we want to be associated with, uh, we're coming in. There might be a few teams out there who would say, "Oh, I, I would like to join Nissan." Um, you know, that'd be that'd be a real great thing to join. Get us exposure. You know, get us. We could jump from you know maybe fourth or fifth in, in our manufacturer to first at Nissan. Uh, what teams do you see doing that? if there's a team out there or a couple of teams out there who might make the jump to a new manufacturer and what do you think do you think that would help this sport what are your thoughts
1: if a team was to do it I think it would be a smaller team um, even though it would be more cost effective I just don't see a big team like Richard Childress I don't see them leaving Chevy um, I just I it's going to be so hard for a big established team like Hendrick isn't going to leave Chevy um it's going to have to like i would honestly say like maybe like a front row um and you know i don't know how loyal Bob Jenkins is to Ford you know i don't i don't know all that but i would say a team like them um would make the move to a a man a newer manufacturer and honestly a lot of NASCAR fans, they love that American-made stuff. Let's be honest. There are a lot of redneck fans in NASCAR, and I love NASCAR. I'm not bashing NASCAR, you know, as long as the seats are filled. But let's be real. There are a lot of redneck fans in NASCAR, um, and they really don't like that uh, overseas manufacturers. I'm not going to be rude about it. Um, you know, they like their Fords and their Chevys, and their what they call American-made cars and i don't see a lot of um, nascar fans going out and buying a nissan just because that manufacturers in nascar um you know that and that's just my opinion um if my favorite driver went to nissan i'm not gonna go out and buy a nissan um so no like it would have to be a mediocre team uh a team that could afford to make the transition and so like i said maybe a front row
0: It's interesting you brought up Richard Childress Racing because that's the team I always point at that has the opportunity and the means to really do it because they have their own engine department. Um, And I felt like when Dodge got out of the sport a few years ago, I thought it was a perfect opportunity for Richard Childress Racing at that point to move to Dodge. Now, he's got a long, long with Chevrolet since 1969, and he was sponsored by Chevrolet all those years with Earnhardt and Harvick. Um, you know, so he's got a very loyal fan base that loves him in a Chevrolet, but at the end of the day, you know, um, you gotta do what's best for your organization. And I always felt, you know, he was kind of third in line there, you know, with, um, with Stuart Haas being there and having an association with Hedrick Motorsports. Now they're, they're sort of second in line there, but, um, they could be first in line. And, and I always say this, you know. Gibbs was a really, really good race team when they were at Chevrolet. But when they went to Toyota and they made that commitment to be sort of Toyota's flagship race team, that brought them to a whole new level. You know, it brought them to a t- thing where they were like, hey, you know, now we can sort of control our own engines, and we got Toyota helping us with the engines. The only thing it cost them was it cost them Tony Stewart. Um, so that was the biggest problem. You know, to. Don't, they got Kyle Bush. <laughs> uh, right. So, at the end of the day, and I think it also cost him Dillon Hart Jr. too. I think it really did. Yeah, uh, You know, because I thought yeah. Jr. Jr. was was kind of hell bent on going to Gibbs after the whole DEI fiasco, and um, you know, once he realized he was going to Toyota, I think he was kind of like, well, you know, okay, I'm going to look for other options, and he went to Hendrick. Um, I really do believe that he was, you know, Jr. is a, a Redskins fan. Gibbs, the Redskins former Redskins head coach. Uh, so I think he looked at that and was like, heck yeah, you know, I'd be an opportunity to go to. But uh, I'm getting a little off topic here. Um, so, uh, Philip, how about you? What are your thoughts on, on a new manufacturer coming in? And, and, you know, it's funny growing up, Front Run Motorsports, there was rumors a few years ago, maybe two, three years ago now, that Front Run Motorsports might move to Toyota. Um, and they stuck with Ford. I think they they. Only thing that really held them back from going to Toyota was the fact that they couldn't get TRD engines, and they were getting really the deal was Triad engines. Um, I think they looked yeah. at the Triad and went no way. Uh, but what are your thoughts on 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 if Nissan came in and now I know that was, and I'm only saying Nissan because that was one of the teams that was kicked or one of the manufacturers that was kicked around was Nissan. Um, what do you think about them if they came into NASCAR and who do you think would would make the transition over to that race t, to that manufacturer if they did indeed come in
2: I mean I look at it in the sense of how Toyota went and kind of destroyed you know they have done their part in destroying motorsports they've done this for decades this goes back two decades to when they were in uh, the GTP series which is the precursor to what we have today in American sports car racing and the the legendary late great dan gurney one of the greatest american racing drivers ever along with owners and car builders had a toyota powered eagle that won every race but one for like two years which basically ended what was the gt prototype class and then when you consider toyota and what they've done in nascar they basically made the truck series like about 10 trucks and then everybody else shows up. The Xfinity series, now we talk about how uncompetitive it really is. And that's in due part because of Toyota. And now in Cup, they only have five teams and we talk about, oh, Christopher Bell, where is he going to go? And this is because of Toyota. They're able to go and build up they, they're able to saturate the lower forms of racing, but then all of a sudden they're not willing to spend the big money to take care of their big drivers except for like one, which is Kyle Busch in the case of NASCAR. Um, when it comes to Nissan, they have a legendary history in motorsport, especially in Japan. I'm a Nissan guy. My first car was a Nissan. Um, there's there's all kinds of history with the legendary, you know, I'm looking right now my GTR poster I got from New York Auto Show. Nissan has a big hub in Tennessee, which is where they could go and build themselves up into the truck series and then build themselves up. They're not going to cup immediately. The Gen 7 car, they've already basically said it. If a new manufacturer was coming in, they would have had to have been in this process already so there is no I mean it, it I would say Nissan and I would there's a couple other manufacturers I have in my head but then there would be a engine change and there would be a fundamental shift in all three series in how the engines were uh, I do the point is Nissan does make a 5.7 liter v8 engine for their Nissan Titan So, in that sense, they do know how to make a big V8 engine. Of course, it's a dual overhead cam. That's not what, you know, NASCAR engines have been. Uh, So, in that sense, they wouldn't be able to use it. I would say that if the Gen 7 car was based on a production-based engine, 5.7 liter V8 or over 5 liter V8, then you have... Ford, Chevy, no problem, and Nissan could go and just use a Nissan Titan engine, and then Toyota—I don't know what—they have a V8 of some sort. But your um, reality is that would be a good way to show production-based engines, and you know, in in the race car, and then you have it on the racetrack. That would be a good way to do the sell on race on mon on Sunday, sell on Monday thing which is what racing, a lot of racing was built on. Uh, Nissan, I don't know if Nissan of America has the same motivation as, you know, Nissan Japan. Uh, They had a really competitive prototype effort here. They still do, in a sense, with Core Autosport, but that's one car. When you're talking about the investment in NASCAR, it's hundreds of millions of dollars. To get into like a front row motorsport, that's three cars, and Bob Jenkins has done it. You know, built himself up from the bottom up. So that's three full time teams in the Cup Series, and then you add what would end up having to come along with that. You'd have to make a Truck Series effort. You'd have to make an Xfinity effort. There's a lot of investment that would have to take place. Um in terms of the the legitimacy in terms of production based motors, yeah, Nissan in Australia is already doing it. Uh but in terms of what that would have to happen because of NASCAR's great rules package, I don't know how viable it would be. But I would say that if there there's two teams and the two teams have been mentioned by Spencer and yourself Clayton. Those are the two best options. It would be front row, because I think Bob Jenkins got that Tennessee, he's got that connection there. I think he'd be able to make good business with anybody. And RC as his walk-off shop to go and say, you know, my whole entire career isn't based on Dale Earnhardt. I want to make my grandson look like he can actually drive a race car and he doesn't just have a bald spot on his head. I'm going to go with a different manufacturer and go with Nissan, that would be the idea or or some other manufacturer. Uh but yeah, that that that's what I would say based on what's going on.
0: Yeah, me too. I, I think it's gonna be interesting to see what happens. And and we're still two at least two, three years down the road before we get to um even that conversation and I don't think anything's happening in the near future with that. But um it's going to be interesting to see if this new car, this Gen 7 car, lowers costs for race teams. I don't think it will. I think there's still major issues they got to look at. Uh, they got to look at – and I think there's just – the business model is just not good, and I don't think a new car will fix that. I think they need to, to, to go Kyle in Bush and totally already gut said everything. it can be
2: way too more expensive.
0: Right, and and listen, and I, I don't mean to to harp on the stuff NASCAR has been doing for cost efficiency, but I mean, I don't think it's made a huge difference. Crate engines in the truck series. I don't think it's made a huge difference there. And I don't think the composite bodies made a big difference in Xfinity. Um, I think the teams, you know, I'd love to talk to a team owner in the Xfinity series and ask them how much money they're saving and vice versa in the truck series. I'd probably say it's much not the same. More, so we'll see, you know, we'll see how it goes. Uh, you know, there's a lot to talk about, and and we're so far away, so we'll be able to dissect that as the uh, as the years go on. So I want to get to one other point here, guys, before we wrap up tonight. And Spencer, I'll start with you. Um, there's a few drivers out there in the Cup Series who don't have a win yet. Um, you know, we saw William Byron at Chicago a few weeks back pull off a victory and get his first Cup Series win. And it was a big deal for him. It was, a, you know, um, it was a big deal for a driver who's really kind of worked his way up the hard way. He was at, everybody remembers him at BK Racing, and then he went to Tommy Baldwin. I got the opportunity with Dale to substitute Dale Earnhardt Jr.'s 88 car a couple of years back and did very well there, and that sort of led him into this ride after Junior retired after his full season um, in 2017. So Bowman got his first win there and did a nice job. Still a few drivers out there who don't have uh, uh, their wins yet. Who are who are very good drivers. One is William Byron. You might look at a couple of rookies this year, Ryan Priest and, and uh, Hemrick. Uh, Daniel Hemrick. And then you have Daniel Suarez too, who's you know uh, been in the Cup Series for a couple of years here. So um, Spencer, I'll start with you. What are your thoughts on on who could be the uh, the, the driver to get his first Cup win? Um, so his first Cup Series win here. I guess next. Um, what do you who do you think can do that? Um, I guess next in the earliest is it is it Hemrick? is it uh, Suarez, is, is it somebody like William Byron? Who, what are your thoughts?
1: I would like to say Hemrick. Um, I think he's a nice guy. He's outgoing. He's fun with the fans. He's um, always a smile on his face. Seems like he has a good attitude um he's a good driver he just hasn't really found his way into victory lane but based off the way they've been running this year a little off um i don't see it happening this year and it could happen next year and i hope it does i hope he gets 10 wins uh, 20 wins um because he's that type of guy he's um but i think the next guy to get their first win is william byron he's been running good they've been qualifying good he's been running up front i mean look at um This pass race, he was running up front and got that penalty, and that's very unfortunate. So um, I would have to say William Byron would be the next driver to park it in victory lane and get his first win.
0: Yeah, and I think when you look at this question that I asked you and pitched to you, there's a lot of factors to take into consideration. You know, there's a couple other drivers I just thought of off the top of my head who haven't had their first win either yet. Um, And you kind of look at it and you go, well, their opportunity isn't very good. Ty Dillon. For 13 car, for example. You know, that's a subsidiary team of Richard Kilders Racing who you just accurately, I think, accurately portrayed as a team that's not very good right now um, with Hemrick. So, you know, if the primary team is struggling a little bit, then the secondary team of that race team with Ty Dillon might not be very good. Same thing with Bubba Wallace, who um, is, I, I think, RPM, and I don't know this from Adam. You know, this is just pure my thoughts on things from what i've read and the vibe i get i think rpms sort of hanging on by a thread here um you know they they were able to sign that nice deal with with the victory junction gang and um worldwide technology a few weeks back and that will cover them i think for the year and sort of got them out of closing up shop because there was talk that that team might do that in the middle of the year where they might say you know what it's time to close up shop now um not trying to get too far off topic there either, but you know, that's a guy who, in the Wallace who doesn't have his first one yet. And I don't know if it's because he doesn't have the talent, but he certainly is in the car underneath him to do that. At least at this moment, we'll see uh, if that changes going on now, you know, a couple other interesting guys, you know, I think Byron is a very interesting guy. Um, but also, you know, I know Philip, you're big, you're high on, on Daniel Suarez and, and, uh, I'm not on Hines Forest just yet because I know he won his Xfinity Series championship, and I know this championship in, in NASCAR now is, is all about getting hot, but to me, he got he did real well in 10 races, but before that, he struggled a little bit, and he hasn't really shown much to me in Cup yet. Now, I, do, I don't think he's the reason why that 41 car has taken a step back this year. Um, I think Stuart Haas as a whole has taken a step back this year, but um, I haven't seen much from Suarez to where I'm just gonna sit there and say he's gonna win a ton of races here in the cup series. Uh I think the I guess what I'm trying to say is the book to me, the book is still out on Daniel Suarez. Um who do you got, Philip? But that doesn't mean you have to obviously agree with that. Who do you have as, as a driver who will be the next one to get their first cup series win?
2: I mean the I think the easy answer would be William Byron, but even in that sense, when you look at Hendrick Motorsports and William, I mean, just, just to go with his teammate with Alex Bowman, it took a run that he had a couple months ago where he was getting second place finishes every week to where all of a sudden, oh, man, William Byron, oh, he's a decent driver. The point is he's the same guy that he's been the whole time. I, I And we talked about it a few episodes ago about how the relationship is between him and his crew chief. They were able to close a deal, though. Uh, do I really think that... I mean, if we're going to go down the, the rabbit hole of Billy Scott, it's going to go way bad. It's going to get really crazy. Um, we'd need more than an hour based on Puka Maniacs. But... The the fact is, Daniel Suarez isn't untalented. Uh, the reality is he belongs. You know, I think he's done enough to say that he belongs in the Cup Series. Do I believe that he's the next guy that could get his first win? I don't know. I think based on equipment, it's either him or William Byron. Uh I don't know really who that's going to be. It, it, it used to right. be a thing where there was a rookie, there would be some guy that really stands out that could could be there. You know, like you talked about Baba. you talked about Daniel Amrick. The RCR effort is way behind where the, years ago, and the reality is it's because they don't have the kind of top-end talent at the organization that they had before when they had Kevin Arvick and even, to a lesser extent, Quinn Boyer. Austin Dillon is not a leadership-type guy. He performed about as well as what the equipment was and even in some cases underperformed. Ty Dillon, people say he's always underperformed. I think based on what he's been given, he's done about as good as he could. Bubba Wallace, when he was in Kyle Busch Motorsports equipment, did pretty well. He's done well in MDM Motorsports equipment, and now he's in some of the worst equipment in the sport. But he's a good PR guy, and because you know, there's a lot of other things, he's there. But was somebody that voted in the NASCAR.com, whatever the the fan council, they voted him in the top three or four in terms of the next guy to get a win. And I'm and I I, I am an unabashed. Bob Wallace fan. I know you and I have talked about this. I've been a fan for a long time. I've been a fan of his since when he went to K and N. I'm realistic. I don't believe God, God, you know, God can hear me right now. I don't believe the 43 car is going out there and winning a race, whether it's Sunday or anytime soon, because they're not the kind of organization that can win a race. Um, it's it's a thing where if we're gonna go and do process elimination under the current people we have here, uh, Byron. Even though I don't believe he's as good of a driver as you know what he's done in pre in on in the lower series, and Daniel Suarez. Even though I don't believe the combination between him and Billy Scott is the best, it's got to be one of those two. I there's. There's really I mean, I you know what, I'm gonna go crazy. You know, I'm I'm just gonna go and throw the dice and I'm gonna go with Ryan Priest. Because the fact of the matter is Ryan Priest has has the 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 resume based on his modified background. He proved himself over the years that forty seventeen has never been able to perform at the level other than when I think to a point when when and Marcus Ambrose is there to where they probably should have been. AJ Almaninger, you know, nice guy, whatever. He should be in an IndyCar won by one race. Ryan Priest is the guy of all these guys that have no wins is the best, is the most likely or the best person that could go and win a race and would be able to kind of carry on because he's proven it. And there's and it—he has the history between going all the way back to two Hall of Famers that are in a NASCAR Hall of Fame, going to the Mike Stefanics mm-hmm. of the world and people like that, because that's the kind of guy he is. And Jack Fordon, right.
0: I—I have—I have another interesting little nugget to throw into this, and something we haven't even thought about, guys. And uh, you know, when you think about the 2019 season that we have right now, there's only 17 races to go, and. Obviously, there's a lot of speculation going on about who's going to be in what car next year, et cetera, et cetera. But one of the rumors is that Ross Chastain is going to be moving into a Ganassi car next year. And, you know, if Byron doesn't win this year and, um, you know, uh, Hembrick doesn't pull off a win this year, could it be somebody like a Ross Chastain who I think all of us agree if he gets in the right stuff, he can win immediately in Cup because he's just been around that long? He's run so well. Uh, He's a guy who. Listen, uh, Ganassi just won a race last weekend at Kentucky. So who says they can't go out there with a driver who. Maybe a different combination. I'm not saying Larson's a bad race car driver because I think he's really good. Um, But, you know, I think sometimes different combinations, for whatever reason, work better than others. They click. But who knows if. if, Yeah, they click, you know? Um, And. If Chastain jumps in that 42 and he gets a real good repertoire with, with Chad Johnson, boom. You know, he, saw, he he wins the race early in the year. You're like, well, we were totally wrong. That's a guy who hasn't gotten his first cup win yet, um, and he wins it. So, I mean, listen, Justin Haley was a guy who won his first Cup Series race. Who would have thought that at, at Daytona a few weekends back? So it's a very interesting topic. You know, you also got a couple of guys out there who um, Matt Tiffed, at Front Row Motorsports. Now, again, they're, I agree they're way behind, same thing with Levine Family and Matt Benedetto. but those are other guys who also uh, run out there in uh, decently competitive race cars who don't have their first win yet. So, uh, something to keep an eye on as the season rolls along and as this um, as the youth movement here, these these younger drivers get in the NASCAR car and it kicks out some of the older guys. Um, I want to thank everybody for listening to Talking Circles tonight. We'll be back here um uh, Sunday night, you know, it's the Xfinity Series race on Saturday, two hundred mile race, three hundred mile three hundred one mile race on Sunday, the Cup Series race at New Hampshire Motor Speedway. We'll be back here after Sunday's race at New Hampshire discussing everything we need to you need to know about that race. We'll be talking about who won, who ran who settled, what the playoffs picture looks like, and we'll be previewing um previewing the whole weekend from New Hampshire Motor Speedway. I want to thank Philip Matthew and Spencer Cowan. You guys were great as always, and we'll see you next time here on Talking in Circles. Good night, everybody.